Who is Ham? Episode 6. We learned that Ham had four sons, Cush, Egypt, Put, and Canaan. We learned that Cush had a son, Nimrod. Nimrod built this huge city and tower all for the purpose to go against God. He included his entire family. They all participated. All the sons, all the children, all the wives, they all built this city, this tower to the heavens, trying to overtake God and to replace God with Nimrod. Genesis 10.10, the beginning of his kingdom, talking about Nimrod, was Babel, Erich, Akkad, and Kalni in the land of Shinar. So when you see Babel, that's Babylon. And so throughout scripture, when you're reading, you see Babylon. Okay, these are descendants of Nimrod, Ham's grandson. Jubilees 10 and 22. And y'all said unto us, Behold, they are one people, and this they begin to do, and now nothing will be beheld from them. Let us go down and confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. They may be dispersed into cities and nations, and one purpose will no longer abide with them till the day of judgment. God dispersed them into different cities, into different nations. Even though many were killed when God came down to destroy that Tower of Babel, many were killed, but many also dispersed in different languages, in different cities, and different nations. So that means they multiplied from where they were, and they are still, their descendants are now in the earth. They were not completely destroyed. He says, not until the day of judgment. And that judgment will come when Yeshua comes and he throws all evildoers into, into Hades, into, into hell. And Yah descended. And we descended with him to see the city and the tower which the children of men had built. He confounded their language and they no longer understood one another's speech. And they ceased then to build the city and the tower. For this reason, the whole land of Shinar is called Babel because Yah did there confound all the language of the children of men. And from thence they were dispersed into their cities, each according to his language and his nation. So you had the nation of Cush, the nation of Egypt, the nation of Put, and the nation of Canaan. And y'all sent a mighty wind against the tower and overthrew it upon the earth. And behold, it was between Asher and Babel in the land of Shinar, and they called its name Overthrow. So we know Nimrod, and the descendants of Ham were in all manner of wickedness. And they built this tower by the help of the fallen angels, the wisdom and the knowledge that was given to them. And not to mention the, the revelry and the things they were doing that were totally against the plan of God. We also talked about Egypt, which is another son of Ham. And Hagar was an Egyptian. And she, of course, went in with Abraham and they had a son named Ishmael. Sarah saw one day where Ishmael was trying to kill Isaac and so she told Abraham and Abraham had to send Hagar and Ishmael away looking at the different nations and how they were formed what they were doing from the beginning of time scripture does not lie we talked about Joseph and how he found favor with the Pharaoh and through his wisdom that Pharaoh became good he wanted to know all about Joseph's God and he let Joseph rule the nation and he was just right-hand man and he was able to save the Egyptians for famine as well as his family but remember when Joseph's brothers came into Egypt and he saw them at that time Joseph's brothers did not recognize Joseph but Joseph knew who they were and he made sure that the Egyptians were not at that table when he fed his brothers because it was an abomination for the Egyptians to eat with the Israelites. Again, setting the foundation of who is Ham, who is Shem, and of course, who is Japhet. So Joseph brought his entire family into Goshen, which is Egypt, and y'all blessed them. 
and they grew and they grew and they grew. God blessed them in the land of Egypt because Joseph served God. Joseph obeyed God. And so at that particular time, that Pharaoh was being blessed because he was obeying Joseph's God. They were living in the land of plentiful and through the famine, they were able to, to live through it and survive it because of Joseph listening to God. Exodus 1. Now these are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt. Every man and his household came with Jacob, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulon, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. And all the souls that came out of the lawns of Jacob were 70 souls, for Joseph was already in Egypt. Joseph died and all his brethren and all that generation. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceedingly mighty. And the land was filled with them. Estimates saying there were millions of Israelites that were birthed. Now there arose a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. He said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more mightier than we are. Come, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it come to pass that when we fall out of any war, they join our enemies and fight against us and go set them up out of the land. Therefore, they set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities of Pittim and Rasmus. But the more afflicted they became, the more the Israelites multiplied and the more they grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. They made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar and brick and all manner of service in the field. And all their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. Egypt here is enslaving our people, the Israelites, hard labor, being unruly to our people. Just because they see our splendor, they see our grandiosity, they see how the hand of the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob is on our lives, that we're strong, we're vigorous, we're beautiful, and Egypt is not happy. The Pharaoh at that time that came on the scene after Joseph's Pharaoh was like, I don't like these people. They're getting too big. There's something about them that scares me. Just our very existence, people have had problems with us. And it starts back here with the Egyptians. They had a problem with us. They didn't like us. They tried to do everything they could possibly do to destroy who we were. Because of who we were, we were the chosen people of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The only thing that this Pharaoh could think of to stop the Israelites, because no matter what they did to them, no matter how much hard labor, how much slavery they put on them, how much they had to build and build without pay, to build and work long hours, they could not stop the Israelites from multiplying. So he said, you know what? This, this is what we're going to do. We're going to kill all of the Israelites' sons. Just kill them all. So that way we can stop the multiplication of this nation. At that time, you're seeing genocide. Genocide from a bad pharaoh of Egypt that doesn't like us, doesn't, doesn't like our strength and our structure, does not like the God that we serve. And now there's genocide killing all of our sons. We can look at that today from slavery here, how they destroyed and beat and murdered our men. And now the school to prison pipeline where our men are constantly been badgered 
constantly being taken advantage of. Yes, there's some issues that we have to deal with on our own. You see one group of people going through the same type of bondage and the same type of evil toward them just for them existing, just walking around, minding our own business. This new Pharaoh was like, you know what? I don't like them. They're getting too mighty. They may overtake us. And of course, we more than likely we would because we have not just strength, uh, physical strength, but we have the strength of the almighty, mighty God with us. And this particular Pharaoh did not like what he saw. So he ordered, let's kill all the sons. Can you imagine killing all the sons? Exodus 1 still. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born, you shall cast into the river. But God had a plan. He had a ram in the bush. Just as he used Joseph to save the entire nation of Israel from a famine and how they grew and multiplied to the millions, God had a plan also to protect and preserve the Israelites. And he came from the tribe of Levi. In Exodus 2, his name was Moses. And his name was Moses. We know the story where his mom was like, nope, God says you're a special boy and this Pharaoh's not going to kill you. So she put her son in a basket into the river and she had her daughter, Miriam, watch over her little brother. And, when, and Pharaoh's daughter came and she saw the baby in the water and she named him Moses, which is drawn out of the water. And so that's where he got his name. And so she took him into Pharaoh's house and raised him until a grown man. Again, as God used Abraham, God used Joseph. Now God is using, is going to use Moses. And so no matter what we're going through in our lives, no matter how difficult it may be, God is going to raise up someone that's going to speak forth his truth and is going to bring us out of our land of captivity. Trust and believe if God did it then, he will undoubtedly do it again. So as Moses grows older, he's having conflicts with himself. He's seen how they're treating the Israelites. He's not happy with it. Something in his 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 spirit, his mind, his emotions is just it's just not gelling. And he he knows something is just not right. And as, he, as he's getting older, he's having questions and he's wondering, okay, why are they treating the Israelites so, so harshly and so bad? And so one day he was just out and he saw a Egyptian mistreating an Israelite and Moses became enraged. He killed the Egyptian and he ran away. He had just came to his breaking point. And, he, and as he ran away, you know, God was speaking to him and showing him you know, different things of what was next for his life. And so we know how God came and spoke to him through the burning bush. It says the burning, the bush was on fire, but it was not being consumed, letting us know that, you know, God will come into us and he can take out all the evil and burn away everything that's not like him, but it's not going to kill us. We'll still be standing strong. We will not be consumed. And so Moses is, is seeing this bush on fire but not being consumed in Exodus 3 and Moses said I would not turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt and y'all saw that he turned aside to see and y'all called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said Moses Moses and he said here am I and he said draw not nigh hither put off thy shoes from off thy feet for the place where thy stand is holy ground moreover he said I am the God of thy father the God of Abraham God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon y'all. And y'all said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. 
and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. If you're listening today, God sees our affliction. He saw the affliction back then with Moses and the Israelites. He sees our affliction now. And I come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good land and a large land unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites. So Yah is saying, I've seen the affliction. I've seen what you're going through. The school to prison pipeline, the slavery, the unjust causes against us, working without pay, working with no reparations, building this country for free with no reparations, not a payback in sight for what we have done, putting our men in prison and women for minor crimes where other people, other nationalities don't even go to jail for. We have men and women in prison for nonviolent crimes that are in there for life. God says he sees our affliction. He sees our sorrow. And as he delivered the Israelites back then, he is going to deliver us now. Exodus 3 and 8. He says into the place of the Canaanites. This is another son of Ham, Canaan. So we see that Canaanites are in this particular land. And my next question is, why? Why is Y'all saying that the land that they're going to, and it's talked about in scriptures, in the scripture, more than once that Canaan is a place to go. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. This is the place the Israelites are supposed to be. And so if you look at the map of Canaan, you know, it says it's Lebanon, Jordan, Syria. It's very, very close. Like it's right there next to Israel. And we know the maps were changed and manipulated. So when you look at the map of Canaan, you see Israel. Jubilees 10 and 28 through 35. And Ham and his sons went into the land which he was to occupy, which he acquired as his portion in the land of the south, the south part, which was Akabula or Africa. Canaan, the other son of Ham, saw the land of Lebanon. Now the Hebrew lexicon for Lebanon says, or means the northern border of Israel. So Lebanon, the Hebrew lexicon defines Lebanon as the northern border border of Israel. So we know Canaan from before where his daddy looked upon, his daddy Ham looked upon Noah and his nakedness when he was drunk and did not cover him. And Noah found out what took place and he cursed not Ham, but he cursed Canaan, his son. So this is the same son now. He's in the land of Lebanon, which is the northern border of Israel to the river of Egypt. That is very good. And he went not, he went not into the land of his inheritance to the west that is to the sea so this boy we know he's already cursed he's taking land the northern border of israel that's not even his his inheritance given by noah is west that is to the sea but he dwells in the land of lebanon eastward and westward from the border of jordan from the border of the sea so ham his father his brothers cush and egypt are like boy what are you doing you have settled in a land that is not yours and did not fall to us by lot. Did not fall to us by lot. This is Jubilees 10, 28-35. So Noah strategically gave his sons land. He gave Shem, Israel, and around that area. Ham was given the southern part, which is Akubula, which is we know today as Africa, the southern part. That's the lot that Noah gave them. 
And of course, Japheth, we'll talk about them later. Ham, his father, Cush in Egypt, his brother said, you have settled in a land which is not yours and did not fall to us by lot. This is not even our area, bro. You're in the wrong place. Do not do this. If you do so, you and your sons will fall in this land. Dwell not in the land and the dwelling of Shem. They went and took Shem's land. Dwell not in the dwelling of Shem. For Shem and his sons did it come by their lot. So Noah gave Shem Israel. That area was for Shem. Dwell not in the in the dwelling of Shem, for Shem and his sons did it come by their lot. Cursed are you, and cursed shall you go beyond the sons of Noah. By the curse which we bound to ourselves by an oath and the presence of the holy judge, and in the presence of our father Noah. But Canaan did not listen. And for this reason, the land was called Canaan. And that makes sense because you hear the stories of you know everyone trying to get to Canaan. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. And you're like, Canaan, isn't that the son of Ham? Why are they trying to get to Canaan? Because Canaan was never their land. Canaan, Canaan took over the land. And so now Moses has the task to finally bring the children of Israel from 430 years in slavery and bondage in, in Egypt to their promised land, Canaan, in their land that's not theirs. It seems like everyone else has always been trying to take what's ours. I don't know if we're not good stewards of what God has given us. It's been consistent from Canaan taking our land in the beginning. And as we are today, Japheth is in the land of Israel now. There's consistency here where someone is always, or some other nation is always trying to keep us in bondage and always trying to take what's ours. That's consistent. You can find out who are the Israelites because we are following the same thing that the Israelites followed here now with Moses in Egypt now, 430 years, Canaan in our land. And if we skip in time and go to numbers, the Israelites are out of Egypt and they're across the Red Sea. They're in the wilderness, you know, wandering. Again, Canaan is just up the street, not too far from where they were. They were there complaining and murmuring after God brought them out of Egypt. The Israelites doing what we do best, disobeying, Right after God delivered us and saw the great hand of God open the Red Sea, we're in this place and we're mumbling and we're complaining. There are some other things that are going on, but I'm skipping the story to go directly to Numbers 13, talking about Canaan. And Yah spoke to Moses saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel, of every tribe of their fathers, shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of Yah, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. And all these men were heads of the children of Israel. And these were their names. Of the tribe of Reuben, Shemua, the son of Zakur, tribe of Simeon, Shepat, the son of Hori, tribe of Judah, that's us, Caleb, the son of Jephunu, tribe of Issachar, Egal, the son of Joseph, the tribe of Ephraim, Oshea, the son of Nun, tribe of Benjamin, Palti, the son of Raphu, tribe of Zebulon, Gadel, the son of Sodi, tribe of Joseph, name of the tribe of Manasseh, Gadi, the son of Sushi, tribe of Dan, Ammonel, the son of Gamali, tribe of Asher, Sitter, the son of Michael, 
tribe of Naphtali, Nabi, the son of Bopshi, tribe of Gad, Gul, the son of Makchi. These are the 12 men that came from each tribe. And these were the men that were sent to spy out the land of Canaan. This is the promise we saw in Exodus, where God says, you know what, I'm going to deliver you out of the hand of the Egyptians into a land, a large land, full with milk and honey, in the place of the Canaanites. And we know the Canaanites, Canaan had 11 sons, Sidon, Heth, the Hittites, Jebusite, the Jebusites, Amorite for the Amorites, Jergesites, the Hivites, the Archives, the Sinites, the Avidites, the Zemorites, and the Hamatites. These are the 11 sons of Canaan. And so these are the sons that are mentioned in Exodus 3 and 8 where God says, okay, no, you're going to take your land back. Canaan took it, but that is not his land. You're going to take it back. And this is how we're going to do it. So God says, hey, send uh, 12 men over the leaders of each tribe, send them over there. Judah, Caleb went for us. And so they're over there and they're going and they're spying out the land. And remember what we talked about, how we can identify the fallen angels and the giants that they create. Because whenever they make relations with the daughters on earth, they either come out very, very large as giants or their skin, their skin changes to a lighter version. These are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Oshea the son of Nun, Jehoshua. Numbers 13 and 27. And they told him, and he said, When we came into the land where thou sent us, and surely it flowed with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. So now the twelve men from the twelve tribes of Israel comes back and gives Moses the report of what they saw. And they says, Yes. The land is full of milk and honey. There's fruit. Nevertheless, the people in the land are very strong and the cities are walled and very great. So they put up cities. They, I'm sorry, they put up walls. They've walled up the city and they're very great. And they said, we saw the children of Anak. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb, he stilled the people before Moses and said, Caleb was like, wait, we can go up at once and possess it. We are well able to overcome it. That's us. That's the tribe of Judah talking here. Caleb was like, hey, yes, we saw a lot of crazy stuff going on over there, but these people are not us, but we can possess this land. We can take over. We can overcome this. We can take it. But the men that went up with him said, we cannot, we are not able to go against the people for they are much stronger than us. Why were they saying that? And they brought up an evil report of the land, which that searched unto the children of Israel, saying the land which we have gone to search, the land is a land that is eaten up by the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great statue. They saw giants. So they're looking at Canaan, they're seeing giants. The giants, again, are the offspring of the fallen angels and the women on earth. Canaan not only took the land, but they're entertaining the fallen angels. Everything over there is, is humongous because they're mixing and breeding. They're doing all manner of evil and all manner of wickedness. We talked about the fallen angels not just they only gave not just wisdom and knowledge that we have to build those walls there but just the intermingling the interbreeding with 
the fallen angels and the women on earth. There's, of course, we talked about the animals and things and how they were mixing with the animals. And so it was just a lot of evil and wickedness there. And Caleb said, we can take these. But the other one's like, um, no, we can't. These guys are huge. I don't think we can overtake them grapes and the fruit was so huge that you know more than one person had to carry the grapes it's like they're mixing the, the fallen angels and this is the result of it things are large and things are big but we don't we can't give up caleb says we can overtake them exodus 3 and 9 therefore behold the cry of the children of israel is come unto me i have seen the oppression wherewith the egyptians have oppressed them God sees. There's nothing that he does not see. He sees every unjust uh, police shooting. He sees every unjust legislation. He sees every unjust thing at our jobs. He sees every unjust thing that happens in our world against us because of who we are. He sees it all. And back to Isaiah 14 and 4. Thou shalt take up this proverb. This proverb here means prophetic discourse against the king of Babylon, against that Pharaoh that had the Israelites in bondage for 430 years, the same Babylon, the same Babel, the same symbolic Egypt that has had us in bondage for 400 years. And say, thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, how hath the oppressor ceased? Oppressor here means foreign oppressor, a tyrant. How hath they ceased? The golden city ceased. Golden City here means boisterous, raging behavior. Ceases. This is the prophecy. He stopped it then. He's going to stop it now. Thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon. Babel and say, the foreign oppressor cease. The boisterous, raging behavior ceases. Isaiah 14 and 5. Y'all have broken the staff of the wicked and the scepter of the rulers. Staff here means taskmaster's rod. The taskmaster's rod of the wicked. Wicked is Babylon. Pharaoh, any leader guilty of hostility, hostility to God or his people. And the scepter of the rulers. Scepter is mark of authority. Rulers, those in dominion. He says, I have, bro I have broken the staff. I've broken the rod against Pharaoh, against Babylon and their authority and keep us in bondage. God is going to deliver us. Isaiah 14 and 6, He who smote the people in wrath with a continual stroke, he that ruled the nations in anger is persecuted, and none will stop it. The strokes that we talked about of the fallen angels, no one is going to stop it. When God is ready to vindicate us, it's going to happen. Just as he did with Moses and the Israelites, how he got them out of Egypt. And eventually Moses and that generation did not go into the promised land, but the younger generation went into, the, went into Canaan and took Canaan back, which was originally the Israelites at first. We're going to take our land back. We don't know how it's going to happen. He's going to restore us. We just have to get back into his word, praying, seeking his face, let go of the things of, of Egypt. Isaiah 14, 7, the whole earth is at rest and is quiet. They break forth into singing. The whole earth is waiting for justice to take place. Verse 8, yea, the fig trees rejoice at the cedars of Lebanon. This is Israel saying, since thou art laid down, 
No one can come against us. Isaiah 14 and 9. Hell from beneath is moved. The underworld is moved. Moved here means enraged. For thee to meet thee at thy coming. So these people that are that have been strategically making sure that we go through hell on this earth from the leaderships, the leaders of nations, whoever they are, anyone that's doing the bidding of these fallen angels, anyone that is that has sold their soul to to Lucifer, to the fallen angels, anyone that has tied with them to to do us harm, to, to, to just to bring evil on the world, to bring people away from God. Their time is coming because hell is being enraged because their day of reckoning is coming. It stirred up the dead. The dead are those giants, the race, those old race of giants, even all the chief ones of the earth, the fallen angels and the chiefs and their assignments on this earth. It raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nation. So everyone has, has been held accountable. No one will go unpunished for what they have done to the children of the Israelites, the children of Israel, but also to anyone that has that has brought people away from God, that has turned people's hearts to Lucifer, that turned their hearts to anything that's not in line with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Isaiah 11 and 11. It shall come to pass in that day, Yah shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria, Egypt, Pathros, from Cush, from Elam, and from Shinar, Babel, from Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations, and shall assemble the outcast of Israel, and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Hold on. Don't give up. Our redemption is coming soon. As we seek truth, please seek truth with us. Please send questions or comments to info at truthwars.com or comment here on Spotify. We don't claim to know everything, but we seek the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who knows everything. So let truth roar, let truth reign, let truth speak, and let truth set you free.